Well, welcome to the Situation Report for Monday, January 15th, 2024. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. My apologies for being late. Uh, got a bunch of things going on, which uh, all collided at once. So the there's a my phone blew up over the weekend for a variety of reasons, um, and I there's so many things to talk about today. I want to zero in on Ukraine and what's going on with the Polish movement towards the border, the Davos crowd, which has got everybody up in arms, this Disease X, which has everybody up in arms, and then the situation with Lloyd Austin, and of course the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. I so I. I normally don't make predictions for the simple reason that every time you do that, you always come up short. Typically, you come way short. <laughs> what can I say? That's just how the game's played. But in this case, a lot of weird things have happened over the last the last couple of weeks. And there's the whole system is just flooded with with garbage and fear porn and fear peddling any of the narratives that i'm seeing right now are noise and i say that because this disease x if if they're really talking about disease x they would have done an exercise they just did exercise 501 back in i want to say june july so we're right in the window of their six month window when you if you go back to event 201 it, it would be the same messaging. They're not messaging that right now. They're messaging if if disease X happens, this is how we're going to handle it, given this new WTO and World Health Organization, this treaty that was supposedly signed by 174 countries. That is noise. I don't see that as a viable. They're not going to release anything right now. The The other side of the fence, too, is that People aren't going to sign up for the lockdowns. There's so much information coming out now about the vaccines and how dangerous the vaccines are and how many people have suddenly died since they've gotten the vaccines. That momentum's going to grow. I don't see that momentum slowing down. And I don't see the traction that we saw when, when COVID started. They locked down 9 billion people in less than seven days. They're not, they don't have that kind of traction now. They don't, they don't, they don't have the cultural narrative. They don't have the social narrative. And what I see is them throwing things at the wall to see what's sticking with the public. And the problem is the public's too fickle now and they're too distrustful of any of the, the government bodies to go along with anything. And granted, there's always a certain portion of the population that is hardcore believers. Those people are already dead. Call a spade a spade. If they've gotten more than one or two boosters, they're already dead. If you go by what, what some of the scientists are saying of what this does to your immune system and what the spike protein does to your organs, they're already dead. So why worry about them? The people you need to worry about are the 36 million that they've imported over the last two years and that they continue to flood across our border on a daily basis. This border war that supposedly is going on in Texas, it's all smoke and mirrors. People coming across Eagle Pass are just handing them over to DHS on the other side of the fence. It's just a, it's just a, a it's a facade. It's all it is. Just like the Lloyd Austin thing. Austin supposedly has been in the hospital for the last 10 days. They released a photo op picture today and it doesn't even look like him. At, at the end of the day, I think he's already dead. And if he's not already dead, he, he must soon, is probably soon going to be dead. But none of these narratives that you're seeing right now, none of them are going anywhere. And it's because the public doesn't trust it. That's why the whole Davos crowd is so panicked right now because they just don't have the cultural narrative and they don't know what to do to get it back. Their typical mechanisms of fear porn have not worked for the past year. And it's because there's so many people in the public space that are wide awake to what's going on. 
I, I, I had several conversations over the, over the weekend with um, former military. And the, there's three conversations going on in military circles. One, we need to organize at the national level. No, we don't. Two, we need to we need to disrupt the enemy's plans at the borders. No, we don't. And three, most importantly, we need to organize at the local level. Yes, we do. The reason why I've been saying that we need to organize at the local level, why you need to increase your sphere of influence in your line of sight, is when this when this kicks off, when the economy collapses, when when the logistics collapses, all those are going to happen all at the same time. This national view that everybody has is going to go away very, very quickly, and it's going to be a very myopic sight of what's in front of you. And then the other side of the fence is you're not going to have social media. You're not going to have all these different electronic tools to tell you what's going on. You may have a drone or two and a radio. But for the most part, if things go the way I think they're going to go, they're going to try and isolate the entire population into small pockets. So it's going to be incumbent upon you to be close and understand who is around you in your area. To the person. There's no national in that. This goes tribal very quickly. Your life gets very myopic, and then you you start to make decisions based on that. And then that doesn't even address, which Joel Skolson does address in his book. And and by the way, whether you agree with Joel Skolson or not, if you read his book, he's done the math. He talks about where all of the, the nuke targets are, where all the high-value targets are for nuclear weapons. And he talks about where all the city exodus are going to go. He's done the math. Whether you whether you agree or not, not the point. He's done some good analysis. And that analysis says that after about three days, people are going to start leaving the cities. And they're going to be death zones. That's assuming that everything collapses. Do you really want to be worried about a national movement when you're just trying to figure out how to survive? I, I don't think so. I think you're going to want to have people around you that are probably of the same mindset and are somewhat prepared. Because at some point, this may get to a barter system. Look, they're going to lose control. I, I can't tell you why I say that, but they're going to lose control of the situation. I think they already have. I think they've already lost the situation control in a number of different places around the planet. And I think they're struggling to get it back. I think there's a civil war going on in China right now. I think she is, his days are numbered. And I think it's because a bulk of the, the CCP leadership have figured out he's deeply in bed with the Europeans and they don't want to live under European rule anymore. I mean, nobody wants to live under Chinese rule, but nobody wants to live under European rule anymore. You're seeing all these marriages of convenience starting to fray and fracture and fall apart. And why it's significant is that the more desperate they become, the more desperate the measures they're going to take, which is why I think they're trying to push Poland into entering in the war with Russia which is suicide, to be perfectly honest. Look, wars are fought with logistics. They're not fought with just soldiers. It takes a lot of logistics to fight a war. And then just watch and go back and look at how much equipment has been sent to Ukraine, how much equipment's been destroyed in the field, and how much equipment the Russians have lost just in the last two months trying to take two key points in their sphere of influence right now. It doesn't take much to realize that logistically, Poland's not going to be able to do much more than a couple of weeks, and then they're going to be bogged down. And typically, you don't want to fight a you don't want to fight a war in the dead of winter anyway, because as soon as springtime comes around, just like in the fall, it's a muddy quagmire over there. And if we really are going to commit NATO troops, here's the stark reality for us: we've sent so much of our reserve equipment over there we maybe have two weeks worth of reserves that we can go fight with. And then we're screwed. Just like the, the situation off the coast of Yemen, we're screwed because we don't have enough missiles to sit there and fire at a $20 drone that's carrying a bomb. And we can, we continually are, you know, throwing a million dollars off a ship every single time we see a drone. That sustainment is the biggest part of any, any war. And if you don't have the logistics and the production capacity 
to match what you're losing on the on the battlefield, guess what? You lost the war, Jack. There is no coming back from that. And the, the UK and the US are desperate to start World War III. Desperate. Because they know the end is coming. They also know they don't have the cultural and the social narratives anymore. And they need a keystone event to be able to sell the public and propagate the fear again to regain control. And they're not going to do it. What? Why do you think they're actually trying to pass a bill right now? Jamie Raskin proposed a bill that would outlaw militias. Think about that. The federal government outlawing militias. That is literally them telling you that they are deathly afraid that the American public is organizing in the background and they don't know what to do to counter it. You know, I said a year ago that they lost the cultural narrative and they're never getting it back. And I meant that. They're never getting it back. The American public, along with the rest of the world, is literally awake and watching what they're doing and outing everything they are. They're adding the fact these people are grifters, they're pedophiles, they have sold their soul to oligarchs, that oligarchs are really running the show, Wall Street's really running the show, the intelligence agencies and the oligarchs and, and big tech have assumed the role of the mafia across the entire planet. And the criminality is emanating from a lot of these um, intelligence organizations. The public sees that now. That was one of the best known secrets and all of the, the DC circles and the elite circles for years, but now the public knows it. And more importantly, the public is tired of seeing people commit acts of criminality without any accountability. Therein is exactly what happened to the Roman Empire. You had a class of people that was completely disconnected from the population, which is exactly what's going on with the Davos crowd, with the Brussels crowd, and with the American elite in both New York and in D.C., completely disconnected, divorced from the public. They have no concept of what anybody on the ground is even experiencing right now. And then you have the believers that are in, in the, the deep state. They're going to keep the machine chugging along until the wheels fall off. And that day is rapidly approaching. We are, we are at the cusp, the eve of the event horizon. And I don't think half the people in DC even see it. You know, Tom Luongo um, did an interview with uh, Danielle DiMartino and it was about six months ago. And one of the things that she said that, that I really um, locked into was the fact that most of the people in Washington are academics and have never done anything in their lives so they don't understand how the system really works. All they understand is the ethereal and the process piece of how it's supposed to run, but they don't really understand how it really runs. And if you've listened to me in the past, you will, you will understand why I've said over and over, you never let an academic be in charge of any kind of an operation because it turns into a cluster faster than you could say, you know, fixed rate mortgage. These people, most, every academic I've ever worked for in the military was a complete train wreck. Every single one of them. And even in the cyber, I worked for this, this PhD, worked with this PhD um, when I was at the Pentagon and he was a cyber guy. He understood all the ethereal aspects of cyber, but he could not understand operations to save his life. And we were in the midst of probably one of the biggest brush fires in American history. There was like almost a million endpoints that were compromised by malware. And he was talking about, we're going to send somebody out to each one of those and we're going to rebuild it in the field. And all of us looked at him like, you are a complete moron. You have no idea what you just said. You're saying you're going to send a million people or you're going to send 20 people a million times across the planet. That'll take years. The whole the, the way you do this is you you push this to to mitigate it remotely, and then you have the administrators in the field reimage every single one of those machines. That's how that's supposed to be done. But at at the end of the day, we came up with a strategy. We deployed the strategy. He still had no idea what we were doing. 
To this day, he still doesn't understand it. That's the, that's the kind of people that are in charge of our government right now. Those are the people that are making decisions on the ground in Ukraine. Those are the people that are making decisions where the Navy goes and what the Navy's doing right now in both off of Yemen and in the Mediterranean. That's a very dangerous situation because they don't understand the logistics and the, you know, the tactical movements when you're actually in a, in a combat zone. And essentially now every, every facet of the plan is a combat zone for the U.S. forces. When you take all that in, you think, okay, how's this going to play out? The point is the system's going to keep going until it fails completely. And then at this point, it needs to fail completely. But at the other side of the fence, we need to have a bullpen and a stable of people in each community that are ready to step in and start rebuilding as fast as we can. Because the other side of this equation that people don't think about is when things do collapse, you're going to have to maintain order in your local area. And that's uh, that's an interesting proposition for a lot of people because most people aren't seeped in politics. They're not seeped in running a city. They're not seeped in, in running a county, let alone running a state. So there's a lot of facets to it that people are going to learn on the fly. Yeah, I saw it. So Luongo's been on Mel Kay's shows a couple of times. She was in the entertainment industry. He was in the entertainment industry. And he's a... Luongo's a wealth of knowledge about both movies as well as um, TV series. He's he's got a he's got a very very interesting depth of knowledge, and their conversations about Hollywood. She they, she did an interview with him. I want to say it was last year, right around February. She did an interview with him, and talked about Hollywood. And it everybody knows I'm not a Mel K fan. Um, I don't, she was peddling a bunch of nonsense about two years ago about Nisera and Nisera, but suffice it to say, that'll probably be an interesting interview if you listen to it. Tom's a smart dude. And every time I listen to, I listen to his podcast almost every time he releases one because he is, he's dialed into the financial side of things. And he and, he and Alex Craner. They do um, shows regularly together, and those guys, both those guys, are financial guys. And what's interesting is when they start talking, that there's always a different slant to the way they see things versus the way I see things. And and I talk to Alex Craner all the time, and um, you know he's a those two guys are incredibly smart dudes just to talk to, right? And when you when you round out the number of people you're talking to, like I can't keep up with Michael Young. I, I just can't. The guy's a machine. And just like I can't keep up with Bracken sometimes, because he's he's so far he is so far ahead of a lot of people that stuff he's talking about. Um, a lot of us in the military understand what he's talking about, but the public's like, where did that come from? And he's been talking about this stuff for 10 years. Luongo's one of those guys, so is Alex Craner. And when you have a bunch of those guys around you, it's it's you start to see different points of view that maybe you hadn't considered. Like, you know, I had the conversation a week ago with uh, with a couple of sixes and sorry, full full colonels, and they were convinced, still are convinced, that while this cold front is is hitting most of the northern USA, it was supposed to get all the way down to Texas, that there was going to be some kind of kinetic action, and I. I couldn't make the leap. I just didn't think it was, they just, the elite aren't ready to do anything and neither are the Chinese. And it's because they're bogged down in other, other areas and they're, they're trying to fight different fights, which is why I disagreed with them. And we'll see how it plays out in the next few weeks. But if you look at temperatures right now across the U S it, it is startling how cold a lot of the U S is and how, uh, how much, of the U.S. is under snow. Like up in uh, northern Idaho, Montana, it was 37 below zero on uh, yesterday. That's that's incredibly cold. I've been in Great Falls when it was 50 below zero, and I can tell you that's damn cold. You just don't go outside, and you kind of hibernate inside till you can't go outside. But this cold front it stretches all the way down to uh, all the way down to Kansas. And it's, you know, the temperatures are minus 15, minus 10 
across most of the northern U.S. And all the way down to Houston, it's like 20 degrees, 18 degrees. I haven't seen the precipitation that that uh, they thought was going to hit, but perfect time for some kind of kinetic activity when most of the country is locked down. And it's a natural thing. So we'll see how that plays out in the next week and how long this weather lasts. But everybody is looking at the situation just like I am, and they're trying to discern what is next. And I, and I would submit to you, don't worry about it. Because a lot of what you're worrying about is way beyond your control. And it's way beyond anything you can influence. The stuff you can influence is how prepared are you. Like I spent all weekend going through my gear, making sure my gear works, making sure it's all packed the right way. I replaced stuff that was that was broken and gone and, you know, had conversations with my kids about stuff they're missing, stuff they don't have, stuff they need. And that's where my head's at right now. I've disconnected from a lot of social media. I mean, I'm on social media, but I'm I, it's not 100% of my time like it was weeks ago. And when you the other the other part of what you should be doing right now, at least in my view, is putting the putting the technology down and making human connections. Because this is time you won't get back. And it's time that you won't you won't ever, you, you're going to want to look back 20 years from now if you survive all this and say, I'm glad I stepped away from social media long enough to spend time with my friends and family. And I, I can't emphasize that enough, especially now when it's cold outside, there's really not a lot to do. This is the time to sit down and and spend time with the people you care about. And the other thing you can do, which is something that I've one of my New Year's, New Year's resolution is I'm going to call somebody every single week and remind them how I feel about them, especially my good friends. And with the the folks that are, the number of folks that are dying from the vaccines, that's probably not a bad strategy given the fact that you don't know who's got it, who doesn't have it, and how long they're going to be with us. It's a way to it's a way to separate yourself from all these these garbage narratives and all this noise that's propagating, like this this noise around Lloyd Austin. For a week, we heard he's been in the hospital. He was in the hospital for four days. He's recovering. He first it was he had first it was pancreatic cancer, then it was liver cancer, then it was colon cancer, then it was. Uh, an infection from uh, from a procedure that was supposed to do something. The story changed every day. Modest opinion is the guy died. He was probably killed overseas, probably when he was in Ukraine. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to announce it and replace him. Because that picture they showed, I'm telling you, it wasn't Lloyd Austin. That guy didn't lose 100 pounds overnight. And the other side of his face doesn't look like Lloyd Austin. But... Am I going to worry about it? No, because it doesn't matter who's in the seat. They're still going to pull the trigger on whatever they're going to pull the trigger on. And it doesn't matter if the guy's alive or dead. He's still going to be an awful person if he's alive. And if he's not, it'll be somebody, some other awful person they'll put in there that's loyal to the, the, the communists take over the country. So why should I worry about it? The thing I'm, I'm really focusing on is right in front of me. And that's where you should be is looking right in front of you. And, you know, I, I've had several conversations with, you name it, the full gamut of people. And everybody wants, everybody has an opinion of what, what I should be focused on. The reason why I'm focused locally and, and, and viscerally is one, I can't, I can't influence national level politics. We're past the culmination point. I can't influence state level politics. We're past the culmination point. Plus, the why would you repeat the same series of events expecting a different outcome when you know that the outcome is going to be exactly the same, especially here in Arizona? The elite have destroyed this state, trying to turn it blue. And the party's divided. The, the people in the party are divided. It's a waste of energy. And I don't work smart. I don't work hard. I work smart. And I don't waste time after things that aren't going to buy me any, any mileage long distance. And a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing right now, there's no mileage there. 
literally no mileage. There's no mileage to being involved in the political process. And Troop could disagree with me all he wants, but there's no mileage in that. It's a futile exercise in a system that has to collapse. There's no, there's no, there's no bang for the buck and do anything at the national level because every national level organization has been corrupted by the Republican establishment. Look at what they're doing to Trump right now. Look at the players they've put in the presidential race to run against Trump. Vivek, who's a, he's a, he's a WEF guy. He had two biotech companies that supported the the Moderna vaccines. This guy's running on money he made from the vaccines. Do you really want that guy in office? Then you have Nikki Nikki Haley, who's a soulless fraud. She's a grifter. She's not that smart, and she is the pick for the Wall Street elite. We don't we don't want her either. And you could go down the list of douchebags that are that are in the race. And why would you spend time on that? Because it doesn't matter who we vote for. They're going to install someone if we get that far. They have come out publicly and said on both sides of the aisle, not just on one, both sides have said, we are going to make sure that Trump is not the candidate and can, can never become president. Both sides of the aisle have said that. So why would you invest any amount of time in that, knowing that the outcome is already fixed? And I listened to these, these a number of people saying, well, Trump's going to win in 24. How is he going to win? They control the counting centers. They control the ability to hand recount. They control the machines. They control when the machines fail. They programmatically set the machines up on November 8th of 2022 to fail in 11 different precincts, quote unquote, polling stations, which is the other grift that they put in place, polling stations. So you can vote anywhere. Until you control the county, it doesn't matter who you vote for. They control the outcome. And they blatantly took 10 days at the MTech here in Phoenix after November 8th to come up with the votes to declare Katie Hobbs the winner. Everyone knows that, Kate, that, that Carrie Lake won by a landslide. And now people are saying that Trump's going to win in 24. How is that going to happen? There's no mechanism. There's no, there's no version of this where he ends up in office. We either go civil war or we have a major event. There is no other alternatives on the horizon. There's no group of White Hats. And by the way, why we're talking about the White Hats, I, I always love when I talk about devolution. And I said, I even said when I interviewed, did the interview with, with uh, uh, Patel Patriot almost two years ago now, the enemy gets a vote. I don't know why every time I say that, the devolution crowd loses their fucking minds. But the enemy gets a vote in everything. And it's it's one thing to have a theory, right? Again, it's an academic exercise to come up with this, this theory of how things are, are going in the background. And one of the tenets of that theory is that FEMA was handed control in 2021 on January 5th, and they've been running the show ever since. Just like this rumor that Cheyenne Mountain is shut down and Trump is hiding in Cheyenne Mountain. I've talked to people that work in the mountain that say normal ops, we're not shut down. And trust me, when you shut the doors and you're in DEFCON 2 and you shut the doors at Cheyenne Mountain, the only time they open the doors is when we don't go to nuclear war. And if they, if they lower the DEFCON, they're going to open the doors. Why would some former president be in one of the most secure areas on the planet? I mean, none of this, none of that makes sense. Plus, if FEMA was running the show, who would have the football? Because FEMA doesn't get the football. Their job is continuity of government. In case of a natural disaster where most of the government is taken out, their job is to continue the running of the government from bunkers, from deep holes in the ground. How is that supposed to happen right now?
And if you look at anything going on right now, you know that's not true. And let's just say for devil's advocate's sake, let's just say that there's a group of people that are in the background, a bunch of general officers that are in the background to counter all of this. And for for whatever reason, they have to do these counter psyops and they decide to come out and tell the public. I can tell you exactly what I'm going to say. That's great. Now go fuck yourselves. Because the country should have not gone through any of this, especially the mass migration into this country. If if Trump was really running the show and Trump was in the background and FEMA was really running the show, their number one job is to maintain the sovereignty of the nation. It's not to go do a bunch of stuff in the background. They would have given orders to patrol order to defend our border. That's what they're supposed to do. This nonsense that all the country has to go through all this garbage in order for people to wake up, that's nonsense. The public didn't have to go through the vaccines and the mass deaths. They didn't have to go through the vaccine industries and injuries. The military didn't have to see 11,000 soldiers wounded by a vaccine. That's nonsense. And that's not even the deaths. Almost 10,000 deaths from what I understand. But yeah, good guys are winning. Trump's coming back. That's the nonsense that I deal with every single day. And it's it it the worst part is trying to unwind that conversation. Because they can't hear reason. They can't hear logic. They can't hear what's right in front of them. They can't even see it. Our country is being invaded right now. And if somebody like Trump was in charge and cared about this country as much as he does, he would have deployed troops to the border to stop what's happening right now and stop it cold. There would not be this massive influx of people every single day being run out of the UN, which Michael Yon's done yeoman's work of of showing you what agencies under the UN are literally enticing people through CNN International, the BBC, and all these other mainstream news outlets to come here. None of that would be happening right now. Why would you flood your own country with millions of people that you have to turn around and deport if you, you don't fall into civil war for the sake of some kind of a psyop? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And when you start to break down those narratives, then they start getting defensive. And the next thing is you're a shill or you're a controlled asset. Oh, okay. I call out the obvious stupid in everything you just said. And, and everybody else is a shill. This is why it's dangerous when you make something like the Q, the Q stuff and devolution, when you make it a religion, that's why it's dangerous. Because you can't hear reason. Should sound an awful lot like the whole vaccine crowd that went out and got tattoos after they got vaxxed. And the employers that were firing people. It's the same thing. It's the same psychosis. And it's the same, it's the same dangerous mentality. But I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to beat on on the devil the devolution crowd. What I'm trying to point out is that's the danger of social media. That's why getting too invested in social media right now and getting invested in a lot of these narratives is not helpful because you lose you lose sight of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is the system is failing. It's failing right at their feet and they don't know why. And the fact that they were outed by the Epstein stuff and more and more of that is coming out every single day and more and more information about the players and the peripherals that were a part of the Epstein crowd, the more you're going to see panic and the more you're going to see garbage flooded into the system. The simple truth of the matter is they've lost the cultural narrative. They don't know how to get it back and they're panicked because they're losing control. And what do control freaks try to do once they feel like they're losing control? They try to exert more control. And that's what you're seeing play out right now. There's no other stories out there that are have anything to do with the bigger picture other than that. 
you're seeing people that have had control have been in, in, in literally empowered for almost 80 to 100 years losing control and they don't know what to do to get it back and they're going to do something desperate either they're going to start a war directly with russia using poland as the proxy and eventually nato troops or they're going to do something here on our home soil those are the only two narratives i've heard in the last three weeks that make any sense to me one it makes sense for them to say that because of our support for israel Hezbollah and Hamas will conduct a major attack here on the U.S. False flag gives them a number of different options. Number two, Ukraine's about to fall. And they've said several times, if Ukraine falls, so does the rest of Europe. Do you know why they're so petrified of Ukraine falling? Because every one of the malfeasance and all those stories and all of those different activities that the elite have been using and laundering money through Ukraine are going to be exposed to the entire world, whether they like it or not. And they will all burn to the ground, literally. That's why they have they have to throw everything they possibly can at Ukraine. They cannot let the secret out. And the secret is they've been laundering money. They've been doing bio-research, genetic bio-research on specific demographics and specific races. They've been doing human trafficking. They've been doing drug trafficking. They've been committing genocide. You could go down the litany of things that these people would do, and they've done it all in Ukraine. They do not want that getting out. And from what I understand, there's this is just the tip of the iceberg of some of the things that have been released already just with the biolabs. And now you have the disclosure that the Chinese have come up with some virus that's 100% effective. Again, the delivery system, once you release it into the wild, all bets are off. But once that malfeasance comes out, the rest of the planet is going to galvanize to get rid of these people. And I can tell you who's going to be at the top of the fucking list when that happens. It's going to be Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation, followed by the Clinton Foundation and all the other associated NGOs with the the, the Kerry family, the Pelosi family, the Bidens, the Obamas, and the rest of the douchebags that have been running the show for the last 20 years. Every single one of these institutions, a whole corrupt kingdom needs to, needs to fall to the ground. And that's why they're so deathly afraid of losing Ukraine, because all their secrets are buried there and all the dead bodies are there. And it's all going to come out all at one time. This Epstein stuff is the tip of the iceberg. Wait till you understand just how complex the system was for moving, recruiting, and exploiting children. Not just young girls, children, boys and girls. Because remember, most of these sick, twisted fucks in D.C., most of these guys are homosexuals. And if all you got to do is look at them, and you could tell who the homosexuals are. Mike Pence, homosexual. Mike Johnson, homosexual. They all play the, 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 the Christian role and they have this persona in real life, but no. And most of them like little boys. In fact, again, I've referenced the Boys Town scandal back in the 80s. This goes way, way, way back. Back to Alan Dulles after World War II. That's when all of this stuff started. He was the only American to have direct contact with the Nazis during World War II. And he's the guy that built Operation Paperclip. He's the guy that negotiated the movement of all these Nazis. This is the guy that set up most of Eastern Europe, and, or sorry, most of Western Europe, and most of the police services and most of the intelligence services after World War II, right beside MI6. This is the guy that created all of this. This has been going on for almost 100 years. And you're seeing the downstream of the neurosis that comes out of that. Sorry, the psychosis. These people are psychotic. These people are sociopaths. They're grifters. And some of them are just plain psychopaths. That's who's running the show right now. They do not want the world to know the really insidious shit that they've been doing. And when you see that the system is a fine-tuned machine, for compromising people, for trafficking humans, for trafficking drugs, 
for starting regional conflicts and tying all of those things together and all the associations and affiliations and investments and cross investments and all the different companies that come out of the city of London, you're going to see a bigger picture that's going to lead all the way to the European elite. And this has been going on for a very, very long time. That's why they don't want to lose Ukraine. And the person who's done probably the most research on this is Whitney Webb. I, I She's a dissemination note. I don't think she's anything else. I think her whole job is to put the pieces together with a group of people and build a narrative and build a story so everybody can see where this came from, how this developed, how intricate it is, how, how much, how incestuous it is, and how it's all tied through all the different institutions in our society and why it's tied into education, why all these people send their kids to the specific Ivy League schools, why kids are, why these kids, these elite kids are groomed to go a specific pathway, why there's a specific pathway to politics. All of that ties all the way back to Alan Dulles and it ties all the way back to Epstein and be, even before Epstein. This is a machine that has been operating at 120% for the last 50 years. And now it is starting to fall apart. How it falls apart, when it falls apart, doesn't matter. It is falling apart. And that's why I'm not paying attention to a lot of the noise that's in the system right now. You're seeing, especially in Twitter, you see a lot of noise, right? Twitter is just full of bots. There's AI and bots that are running stuff right now. And, you know, people are worried about who's Trump's VP pick. Why does it matter? People are worried about disease X. Why does it matter? People are worried about BlackRock. Why does it matter? The system has to fail. These Davos guys, they can sit in Davos, Switzerland all week and sit there and master debate how they're going to gain public trust. But they're never going to get it back. Because the word is out on the WEF, the WTO, and on the World Health Organization. They're all criminal organizations that are funded by oligarchs that are hell-bent on population reduction and controlling the world to create a single government. Everybody knows their story now. Agenda 2030 is dead. Guys like Tony Blair, they're finished. Their careers, their lives are over. Because everybody sees them now. Everyone. Even even the most uneducated liberals see them, and there's nothing they can do. And then the next organization that you're going to see burned to the ground is going to be the American Medical Association. The AMA has controlled medicine in this country, along with the insurance industry, for the past 80 years, and their days are numbered. What they did during the pandemic and how they've muscled and how they've gone after doctors and discredited people is nothing short of genocide. And they will be held to account when this is all over. And we will revamp our, our entire medical system. But it's going to take a lot of inertia. All of those, they can all sit there in all the conferences they want, just like the folks in D.C. can pass all the bills they want. Once we take back our local states, once we take back our communities, it won't matter what happens in D.C., they won't have the troops, they won't have the power, and they won't have the money to go after all 50 states. And we may see some secessions before this is all done. But the good thing is, the more organized every community is, the more tight-knit every community is, the more you disconnect from the national-level BS and all these narratives that are being thrown across the wire to keep your attention and line of sight away from what's going on around you, the better off you're going to be. Because when things when things kick off, you'll be able to react. And when the system collapses, you'll be way ahead of everybody else. The hard part is not going to be reacting. The hard part is going to be deciding who has something to offer and who doesn't. Because there's a whole lot of people right now that don't know how to do anything. And I mean they don't know how to do anything. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean. They don't even know how to dress themselves. And you have millions of people in that boat.
the only thing they know how to do is go to the trough, go to the store, pick up something. Most of them don't even shop anymore. Most of them just use DoorDash and spend a bunch of money having food deliver because they don't know how to cook. What do you think is going to happen when the food runs out in the cities? They're going to start moving out of the cities looking for somebody to take care of them, rescue them. And you're going to have to decide. This is the tough part of the decision cycle. You're going to have to decide who's worthy of, of saving and who's not. And I've talked about empathy and compassion before. And that's where that's going to be a real test of humanity. That is, if things go the way I think they're going to go. Hopefully, there's one of there's one of three scenarios. One is complete collapse where all the systems collapse. One is a partial collapse where part of the systems collapse. And one is a catalyst event which brings the world together and unites the world that in ways that people could not have imagined. And that could be any number of things. And it could be something that the elite the elite precipitate, but they lose control of. Those are the three scenarios that I see playing out. And right now, if I'm looking at the, you know, reading the tea leaves, I'm seeing partial collapse of three or more systems that drive the country and the world into chaos. That is assuming that Europe doesn't go into civil war in the next couple of weeks. This situation in Germany, that's going to be, this is, this is it for Europe. If the, if the, farmers give up and they don't drive this to closure and they don't drive the Brussels crowd out of office and, and collapse that system, that's it for them. This is it. This is this is the culmination point for them. And it's the it's it's good to see that there's other other countries, farmers and truckers from other countries coming to Germany to help out with that that pro, that entire protest. Because it needs to happen. They need to bring the entire European continent to a complete stop. And then up the ante, start turning off other things. It's, it's, this, is, this is where you put up or shut up. Because if you don't, they're just going to move in. They're going to they're gonna install more draconian measures. And you're going to see whatever freedoms you had gone. And then they're going to start making you eat bugs. They're already doing it. You can't let that happen. We can't let that happen. Our test is going to be when one of the systems like the financial system collapses or the logistics system, or we run out of fuel. And probably all three of those, plus some kinetic at the same time and major riots in the cities. That's going to be our metal. That's going to be our test, and we're going to put up with that. Because I, I, I'll tell you this time, if I see looters, I'm, it's guns out. I'm not playing that game. And most Americans are starting to figure that out, that they've worked too hard and too long to hand this over to a bunch of thugs. And you're seeing those elements emboldened now. You're going to see more of that. And I'm not talking about the cartels. I'm talking about normal punks that have been emboldened because the police have been cut back so much that they can operate with impunity. When that, when that finally spills over into the, the residential areas and the rural areas, that's when I think you're going to see Americans step up. But who knows? It could be a combination of things all at once. There's there's too many variables right now to say definitively this is where things are going to go off the rails. And they've done a very, very good job of manipulating the currency and manipulating the financial system to keep that afloat. And I think they've introduced enough, enough um, uncertainty and enough um, disruptive events in China to keep China busy at home. They've got they've got financial issues too. Their real estate markets are collapsing, and they don't have a mechanism to fix it like we do here. It'll be very interesting to see what comes out of China in the next few weeks. I think within the next two months, you'll think you'll see Xi Jinping is going to be gone, along with some of his his very senior <clears throat> senior uh, counterparts. Which, by the way, the two top guys below Xi hate each other. So it'll be very interesting to see if Xi's taken out, which one of those two malcontents steps up. And if, if one of them steps, in, steps up and the other one feels like they got slighted for whatever reason, guess what? You got internal civil war in China. And it would be just like the elite to create internal civil war and burn that system to the ground. 
because if they can't control it, nobody's going to control it. And you can't think that these people are going to go gracefully into the night. That's not how they work. They're going to fight all the way to all the way to the end, and they're going to say everything's great until the wheels come off the bus. That's why I say, and I've said repeatedly, focus on the things that matter. Don't focus on the bigger picture. The signal right now is what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on on the ground there, and what's about to happen. The other signal right now is a release of information around Epstein and what's coming out about the vaccines, because there's stuff coming out every single day about the vaccines and the, the harm the vaccines have caused. I don't care about Iowa. I, I Everybody that's that's running right now, they're all, they're all douchebags. And I could care less about politics right now. That's the least of our worries. But focus on the things that matter. You know, I, um, I think most people would agree that the thing we've lost in this country is a sense of community and a sense of purpose, a higher purpose for our entire country. And I think that's affecting the youth as much as it's affecting the, the older generations. When I was a kid, just like, just like most of my friends, our higher purpose was, you know, trying to strive to drive our country ahead of everyone else, either in technology, in education, militarily, didn't matter. The competitive nature of the country was incredible. And, you know, this, this country has spent so much, the liberals and the left have spent so much time trying to break down that competitive nature guess what competition isn't fair not everybody's special not everybody's good at one thing and sometimes competition's a good thing in fact i think competition is a good thing in a lot of different cases and we've lost that competitive spirit we've lost the ability for struggle most people do not they don't even understand what the struggle is and they don't understand why it's important to struggle. And if you watch, go back in the go back in the '90s and watch the transition from that core comp competitive spirit. And look, there was parts of the the whole competitive cycle that were probably over the top. The pendulum goes both ways. But I can tell you that when I joined the military in the '80s. It was a vastly different military, vastly different military. And when Bill Clinton came to office in 92, the military forever changed and the competitive spirit forever changed. Because I, I, the, last, the last school that I went to was at Quantico. I spent a year with the Marines. And I learned more about myself, about my capabilities, about the Corps, about the Navy, in one year than I than I did my entire life. I was challenged by guys that were running marathons. I trained for Echo Challenge with with a couple of Marines and, and a, an army guy. And we would go out and run, you know, 70, 80 miles a week. We would we would hump a pack 10 or 15 miles every weekend. You know, we were all hard as nails. And we didn't think twice about it because we were training to represent our, our, our services at that time was the air force, our services for the country. We wanted to go win one of the hardest, one of the hardest races. That was the year it was in Morocco, I believe. And we wanted to go win for our country. The, the, the whole point of it is, is that we've lost that ability and we need to revive that competitive spirit that belief in something bigger than self and higher purpose. That's what has to come out of this. And that's what's missing right now. It, it, all of this, all of the stuff you see right now. Yeah. Yeah. Broncos got it. Life's about suffering. Embrace it. Move on. That's exactly what it is. And we have an entire, you know, group of generations that are all for lack of a better word, whiny little bitches. And, there, there's going to be a lot of people that don't know how to do anything that are coming out of cities. And you're going to have to decide who's worth saving, who's not. That, that's the bottom line. So 
I am not focused on the national level politics. I don't care. I'm focused on what's in front of me, being prepared and continuing to prepare. And I'm going to keep doing that until the balloon goes up because there's no point in any, any, any of the rest of it. It's just noise. And think about it. What are you going to do about national level politics? Nothing. Even if you started organizing now, it would take you two years to get enough organization, enough people on the ground to do anything at the border. And by then, there'll be 50, 60 million people on the ground here. It's better off hardening the, the, the perimeter you have, expanding your perimeter, and keeping your line of sight as far as possible. That's going to serve you well when the, when the bloom goes up. Yeah, hoorah. The... the, the uh, the experience at Quantico was was, it, and I'm the reason why I'm talking about it is we all have those 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 culmination points in our life where there's certain events that change your life. That was one of those. It was one of those events that changed my life in ways that I I couldn't have thought possible, and part of it was this will sound this will sound trivial, but. One of the things I walked away from was the, the Commandant's reading list. Every year, the Commandant of the Marine Corps would release a reading list that all Marines should read a specific set of books by rank. And that was probably one of the one of the biggest things I took away. Every single year, I would get the Commandant's reading list, and I would read all of those books. Every single year. In fact, one of the books that I was given when I got to Quantico was called The American Way of War. It's on my shelf right now. I read it every two years. That was one of the best things I took away. And uh, Anthony Anthony Zinni came in and he uh, he was the CENTCOM commander at the time, came in and talked to this you know, room full of captains. And he drilled into our heads that if you don't understand history, if you're not really, if you're not willing to struggle, if you're not willing to understand how we fight wars, and if you don't understand the Constitution, if you've not read the Constitution, then you have no business being in uniform. We don't talk like that anymore. We don't say those things anymore. We don't, we don't even preach those things anymore. And that if you can do anything right now, instill that sense of purpose in every young person that is willing to listen to you. Be a mentor. Be a leader, be a leader in your community, be a leader in your church. And I know there's a lot of people that think they're on islands in these liberal communities. You're not. You're really not. You just need the right mechanism to find other people. And don't give up with just one or two things. Try try different churches. Try try different community groups. I mean, there's a lot of mechanisms to find conservatives in your area. Do that. Focus on that instead of focusing on the noise because look the noise is just going to keep you paranoid it's going to keep you wrapped up in fear and you need to step away from it because whatever's going to happen is going to happen you don't have any control over it so you might as well spend that time getting ready and i'll i'll post the name of the some of the books that uh, that i have on my shelf that i think are worthwhile reading i'll post those in the the uh, the comments on rubble so you can see them Somebody asked me how to get a hold of Troop in the last um, roundtable. I posted uh, his Telegram channels. He's got an instructional channel. He's got a Trooper main channel. And then he's got a, uh, it's called, and by the way, Bronco, it's called the American Way of War. It's got a pink cover. I don't know if you can find it on Amazon. I, I don't think it was on Amazon, but that's the book you want to read. It really gives you a good idea of how the defense industrial complex works. And I, that was the whole point of the book. We needed to understand how the defense industrial complex, you know, waged war after World War II. Focus there. And remember, lose the fear. There's nothing to be scared of. There's more of us than them. And they are panicked right now because they don't know what to do to get public trust back. They're never getting it back. They just haven't realized it yet. So lose the fear and focus on what matters. Step away from social media and focus your time with people you care about. Make human connections. God bless everyone. I'll be back Wednesday. Not sure who's going to be on this round table. I'm not sure if Matt uh, Bracken's going to show up, um, but uh, should be a good one. 
God bless everyone. One team, one fight.